Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and our guests here on Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, now more than ever in this turbulent time, it's important to share and spread our message of freedom and fulfillment around the globe. So if you get value from this podcast, I have a favor to ask. If you could go wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a positive rating and review, that helps us carry our message further around the globe. And if you wouldn't mind, Post a link to this podcast on your Facebook page. Share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever you're at on social media. I want to thank you for helping us take our message to those people around the globe who truly need it. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Thank you. Anybody sitting on the couch that's just doing something because it's comfortable, not because you love it. I just want you to know that you're literally just bringing yourself closer to death. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. And we are back with the host of the hit Facebook Live TV show. He's been in the automotive industry sales expert for over 20 years. Now, Glenn, I am a father to four, and a lot of people say, oh my gosh, you got so many kids. Your most important job, you're a father to seven. Um, we, we taught your host of the, again, I said rise and grind. You've had over 500 episodes in two years. Let's get into it. Glenn Lundy, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, man, I'm super, super happy to be here. And dude, don't get me wrong. I've got, I've got seven, but I understand the challenges you've got with four too, man. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. These kids are wild, man. I just have to remind myself all the time. Like, it's going to be so cool when we're all older, right? Like when everybody's a little bit older and we're getting back together for family reunions and all of the memories we'll be able to reminisce on. But man, what a a season we're going through, especially right now with everybody home, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's, well, it's it's not funny. Maybe it is funny, but, uh, you know, there's a scene in uh, Avengers Endgame where Hulk says, I was made for this. It was like I was made for this. I tell people, I've worked from home for 15 years. We've homeschooled our kids for 13 years. Beautiful. So I'm like, Hey, you know, and, and people ask me for tips now on how to homeschool your kids. I said, well, we basically unschool. And someone said, well, that sounds like anarchy. I'm like, well, works for us. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. We've, we've homeschooled. My wife's homeschooled for, um, I guess she's going on five years now for nice for four or four years, somewhere right around there. Homeschool. There's, there's still been an, a little bit of an uptick though. Cause she used to, you know, we had homeschool and then we had dance recital homeschool and basketball practice homeschool. Yeah. You know, it was homeschool and homeschool and, and there's been no ands. It's just been home. And so my poor wife today, she's coming, she's coming out. She's going to join me in the office today for like four hours. We're going to, she's very excited to just go through our books and just look at numbers and be quiet. (laughs) for four hours. (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, we're starting to open up here. And so we're like, yep, my wife's she's out with the kids or at the parks, the parks are opened up, you know, they were at the beach the other day and, and, um, yeah, we're, it's funny. Like you know, when you're in it and you're like, all right, we got to go. And, and I'm taking the kids to karate practice. And I'm right. saying, when it's the and homeschool and it's like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. And, and now I'm really missing that time, That's like right. karate practice and, and doing all those things. <laughs> so Glenn, you know, I don't have any set questions ever, Good. um, except for one. Okay. And, uh, you know, we are the freedom media network. And the one question I ask all my guests is that word freedom. What does it mean to you? And, you know, I've been asking this for two or three years now, and everyone has a unique answer. You know, some people want to go political. Some people want to go societal. Some people want to go economic. Some people go, go off the charts on something I never even thought of. So Glenn, the word freedom, what does that word mean to you? To me, it means having the ability to reach and achieve the best version of yourself that you can possibly be not being hindered or held down or forced into a place of mediocrity, uh, having the resources necessary 
to be able to um, just truly attack your dreams and your visions at the highest level. Nice. Nice. Do you, have you always, uh, had this, had a sense of freedom or, uh, was it something that maybe you were chasing what you thought was freedom and had to kind of get yourself back on track or have you always had that sense of, I know what I want, I'm going in the right direction. Or did you have to have kind of a reset somewhere? I I had to have a big reset, man. Up until I was about 30 years old, I was a victim of my own, I was a slave to my own mind, right? I had I had zero freedom. I felt like everything was everyone else's fault. I was always a victim. I was always being held back. Uh, you know, I blame I blamed everybody up until up until you know about 30 years old. And then I went through you know a difficult season of my life. And coming out of the other side of that difficult season, I started to realize that. Hey, you know, Glenn, you take yourself wherever you go, buddy. Every one of these situations you've been in, you were the constant. You were always there. So now that I realize that I have both the ability and the responsibility to go out and make a massive impact in people's lives in a positive way and that there are no limitations to that, I continue to just feed my mind, continue to be a student, continue to grow, continue to seek opportunities now that I realize that the lid isn't there. It doesn't exist for me. Luckily, I live in America. I live, you know, for other people, there there are those lids, but we don't have those lids. And so since I have that gift of freedom, I feel the responsibility to go after it, you know? I, so I'd, lo- I'd love to talk to you about the word grind. And, you know, I, I've done some videos over the years uh, talking, uh, criticizing the word grind a little bit. Not because I hate the word, but because I think a lot of people watch maybe your videos or Grant Cardone's videos, and they don't truly listen to what you're saying. They see the word grind, and so they grind themselves into the ground without a real sense of you can work smart while also working hard. So can you get into that word grind and what it means to you? Because I think a lot of people, they're taking a lot of actions without moving in the right direction mm-hmm. that, that, that thought process isn't like I ground for 13 years and I ground myself into the ground. I was 50 pounds heavier on a cocktail of prescription drugs. Mm. My relationship sucked. My health sucked. I was unhappy and I was unfulfilled and I was grinding, but you know, and, and so I see a lot of hustling grind porn out there sure. that misses the mark on what, what someone like you truly means when you say rise and grind. Yeah, definitely, man. I think the, you know, the word grind itself is just a consistent repetitive action that nets you the ultimate result. And I think that's the, the, the part that people get twisted. Sometimes people think like, okay, it's just a consistent repetitive action, right? I just got to stay busy. I just got to be moving. And that's not the point. The point is to get you the net result. What is the end game? Why are we doing this? What picture have we painted? Right. We have to have otherwise it's just a hamster wheel. You're just going and going and going and going and going. So for me, the two words together, rise and grind, like I really believe that if we can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their lives. Truly believe that with all of my heart and soul doesn't matter what time you start your day. I'm not saying you have to start your day at 3.50 a.m. like I do. I only have to do that because I have seven kids, and that's the only hour (laughs) I can find in the morning where that's quiet, you know. So for me, it's 3.50. For someone else, it might be 7. For someone else, it might be 10 a.m. For someone else, it might be 2 in the afternoon. But when you first wake up, if we rise with intention and we do consistent, repetitive actions that are ultimately going to get us a net result, then that's how we can increase our own, you know, we can increase our own personal, mental, spiritual, physical levels. What, uh, I, I love that you talk about, it doesn't matter what time you wake up. Cause there was uh, about two or three years ago, there was a hashtag campaign, the 5am challenge. Mm-hmm. And I saw some people that did it right, but some people that all they did was extend the amount of time they waste in a day. Right. That's you right. know what I mean? It was like, I'm yeah. at five 15. I'm, I'm at the coffee shop and they took pictures of their screen and it's like, okay, you just extended your day, but you're still not being truly productive. <laughs> That's right. You're still not doing nothing. And the word that, that, that just stuck out to me for everything says intention. Yeah. 
mm. and being intentional about your day. Can you, can you dive into that a little bit more about, about when you use the word about being intentional, there's a lot of people I think kind of go through their day, like they're dead Oh yeah, and they're doing that repetitive motion, but it's without intention. They think it's with intention because they're working up a sweat. Sure. What's the, well, so what's that difference that, 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 you know, differentiates doing something with attention and just, just kind of repetitive motion to do motion. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. So one example, and this is a little metaphorical. So, so follow me here, but like when people talk about, let's, let's use the word servant leader, right? You, you hear servant leader, people say, I'm a servant leader. I'm here to serve so on and so forth. The difference between a real servant leader and someone who maybe just thinks that they're a servant leader is a real servant leader seeks opportunities to serve, not just will serve when opportunities come his way or her way, right? There's a big difference there. A servant leader seeks opportunities to serve. And that's that's intention to me. So I believe that we have a beginning and we have an end, right? We have born date and we have death date, right? And in this existence on this planet. And then there's this little dash in between. And I believe that that dash in between, the, the, the entire intention for that dash is to make an impact, a positive impact in other people's lives. So when I talk about rising and grinding with intention, setting up your day, how do you intend to make an impact on someone else's life? And that starts with fueling yourself. You have to, they say it on the plane, right? You put the mask on you before you put it on your kids. So I believe if you start with five simple steps every single morning to fuel yourself, to get yourself into the right vibration, the right energy, where we feed mind, body, and spirit in, with intention first thing in the morning, then we can go out and serve other humans at a higher level, which is ultimately what I believe we're all here for. I love that. I, I love that. And, and by the way, before we go any further, I want to give a shout out to everyone joining us online. As you join us, don't be a lurker. Come in, share your name, your city, your state, your town, your country, your continent, where in the world you're joining us from. Ask your questions. Let us know something you're grateful for today. We got uh, Sam Messenheimer joining us. Uh, yeah, he says he remembers when that 5 a.m. challenge was trending heavily on LinkedIn along the same line as the 30 for 30 challenge, 30 minutes morning of meditation for 30 days. And, it, and it's interesting because I, you know, uh, back in October, I really started meditating earlier in the day and, and getting up early. You know, we got four kids and, and when they're up, the, the noise level rises. <laughs> right. And so that quiet still time is important, but I found myself falling into rather than intentional meditation and intentional, uh, you know, that quiet and still time and focus, almost building my own prison of the expectations of people that I read about meditation experts. And so I became so focused on the input of you got to do it for this amount of time. And, and I do, I do Wim Hof breathing. I don't know if you, I, I do the Wim Hof breathing method to get my body going. And I was so focused on the fact that I read that someone else held their breath for a minute and a half that I got so focused on that, that if I went a minute and 20, then I, it was a failure Right. rather than coming back and saying, all right, I can meditate for 10 minutes, but if I'm getting the, the outcome that I want from that and doing it intentionally, um, and that, that's why I think a lot, a lot of people, whether it, you can pick anyone, I mean, people could be watching this right now and they focus on the inputs on the, well, Glenn said, I got to do this. So I got to do specifically, I got to get up at 350 because Glenn gets up at 350 and I got to get up at 350. And they missed the fact that you said, I don't care when right. you get up, I do right. it for that. So, um, uh, well, thank you, Sam. Uh, Sam says, Kurt and Glenn, great to do it. watch today. John Waller from Fort Lauderdale. Thanks for joining us. Uh, again, jump in wherever you're joining us, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. Uh, let us know your name, your town, your city, your state, your continent, your country, wherever you're joining us from. So Glenn, you, you recently, um, on rise and grind, your hit Facebook live show, you know, you hear a lot about, uh, you hear a lot now, well, you hear a lot of bullshit that people talk about these days. But one of the things they say is, you know, this is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this before. Sure. And that's fundamentally wrong. Now, I think it's the product of a schooling system in which we're not allowed to talk about history, right? But it's fundamentally wrong. And you gave war, pestilence, famine, drought. Uh, we haven't even covered the Spanish flu or the Hong Kong flu, all these things. 
And you talk about the fact that we have faced things like this before. This isn't an unprecedented time. Can you go into that a little bit more and that that sense of context for realizing that humans have gone through a lot of shit before we've made it through to the other side. And you talk about freedom over fear, which I love. Yeah. Human, humans, you know, are the, the, the human species is so beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful. It's been, we've been going through this constant, uh, uh, this, I talked about it this morning, actually, this evolution, right? Like we, we've been evolving for hundreds and hundreds of thousands, however long you want to say it, we've been evolving and we, and we get smarter and we get better. And obviously our species is thriving because the population is growing and growing and growing and growing, right? We've got billions and billions and billions of people. And now we can connect and we can communicate. And it's truly amazing. I'm so thankful that we live in the time that we live in right now. And we definitely will go through this just like we have been through a million other things before, but I think here's the key. We are such, even though we're such an evolved species, the one thing that we have not evolved is the ability to put ourselves outside of ourselves. We have a very hard time doing that. So we see everything from our perspective. So when somebody says this is unprecedented, we've never seen anything like this before. What they're saying is, I've never seen anything like this before. Right. This is unprecedented in my life for this particular season, right? And so, for example, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine, um, uh, Brian Benstock. He's he's a, a dear friend of mine, and we were talking. We were doing some training this week, and he was talking about. I mean, he's in Queens. He has the largest dealership in the in uh, in the world, the largest Honda dealership in the world. Well, not the biggest, but they sell the most. And he, he's right in the middle of Queens, man. And they got hit like hard, like that area got hit really, really hard. He himself got um, COVID, and so they got hit hard. And so I'm listening to him talk versus how I see it over here in Kentucky, right? Where here in Kentucky we haven't really got hit you know, that hard. It hasn't been that drastic. It's only been measures that we've, that we've kind of taken and people have followed the governor and so on and so forth. I don't want to get into all that, but depending on where you are, this season is completely different for everybody. You know, it's all perspective. And so I think that's why there's so much confusion and division and all of that going on right now in the world is because depending on how you grew up, where you grew up, your financial situation, where you work, where you were, like where every, everything that's happened in leading in your life up until COVID-19 determines how you see this particular event in, in life. And if people could, if we could just evolve this ability to step outside ourselves and to be able to get more of a 30,000 foot view, we would see that this is another blip in history that is going to actually evolve us take us like force us to evolve to another level of how we do business virtually how we connect with our loved ones virtually right like this is a an enhancement this is an upgrade and it's yes it's uncomfortable and i totally get that but this is a human species upgrade that's happening right now it's just hard to see that if you're in certain pockets yeah and i think i think being able to step outside ourselves whether you talk sales, whether you talk branding, whether you talk just simply being a human and the ability to get through what we're going through right now, the word empathy just keeps coming into my head. And, and I see people who, you know, Bob Berg, uh, best-selling author of the Go-Giver series of books. Mm-hmm. One of the things he said, this was last year, and it just keeps ringing true, is, you know, we've gone from a society where, yeah, okay, I have my opinion. You have your opinion. And I realize you have your opinion and vice versa. And it could be, I'm right, you're wrong but let's agree to disagree. And what Bob said a year ago was we've gone to this situation now where we have a lack of empathy and it's, I'm right. You're evil. Mm -hmm. You want people to die or vice versa. You're just a fascist communist. You want small business owners to die. Mm -hmm. And the answer is probably somewhere in the gray area. And for me, from a business point of view, the reason that's important is if you spend your day getting so angry about what someone else did and that restaurant opened and oh my gosh, they're going to kill people and everything. It's like, that takes you away from selling, from 
reaching out to your customers, from focusing on the outcomes that you need to focus on. And I think, you know, before we got online, I said, there's people who are focusing on their outcomes and getting one and doing. And then there's the thumb suckers who are in the corner worrying about what everyone else is doing in their town sure. instead of saying, I gotta, I gotta focus on my stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah, man, no doubt, man. I think it's just, it's, it's literally of it's, it's a perspective game and what makes us as a species beautiful. What I believe makes us as a species beautiful is that we are all individual pieces of a puzzle, right? Ultimately, our lives will intertwine and will connect and will impact each other. And we're building this this beautiful thing, this beautiful mosaic of of life. But every piece of that puzzle, like if two pieces of the puzzle are the same, it's worthless, right? Like you can't put them, you can't put them together. You can't connect them. And so each person, each individual having a, having an opinion is valuable to the overall picture that we're trying to put together as a species. And I think if people would just remember that, that even if we don't agree, your opinion is still valuable. It still holds merit because you grew up different than I did. You're in a different location than I am. You have a different thought process than I did. So you still can add value to me, even if we disagree. I love that. I love that. And I want to give a shout out to Jasmine Chase from Chicago. We got Mark Stern from Brooklyn and we got Gaurav from India. Sam Messenheimer asks, in regards to growth, how do you focus on your own personal professional growth versus constantly comparing yourself to those around you, whether it be social media platforms, financial wealth, the temptation can be always to be focused outward rather than inward. How do you maintain an inner focus among such a hectic market? You have Glenn? to celebrate your wins. That's the key. Celebrate your wins. See, they, I work with a lot of people in the auto industry, and the auto industry is notorious for this, right? They'll set this big pie-in-the-sky goal based on what either the manufacturer told them they were supposed to do or the guy down the street's capable of doing this. So they set whatever goal or target they have in place, and they set it on a monthly basis. Everything's 30-day window. We're going to sell this many cars this month. How? I don't know. We're just going to do it, right? And so they set these goals. <laughs> they they spend the first two weeks dilly-dallying around, okay? Then in the third week, they're like, shoot, we're not going to hit our goal. We should get more aggressive. Let's change our pricing. Let's call our people. Let's do this. And then the last week of the month, they're like, we'll take every deal because they're trying to hit like the goal. And then the new month starts again, and they're like, okay, we're back at zero. We're going to sell this many, right? And by doing that, they've created, most people will tell you, if you ask anybody in automotive, they'll tell you that we sell more cars in the second half of the month than we do the first half of the month. They'll tell you that all the time. They'll tell you you can get your best deals at the end of the month, right? Anybody, any consumers probably heard that. You can get your best deal, that type of thing. And that's because mentally we're so messed up in this industry because we're doing this compare game. Hmm. So what I would suggest in your business, let's start counting our wins one day at a time, right? What do I need to win today? All right, I gotta make I gotta make three contacts. I gotta I gotta close one deal, right? I gotta generate ten leads, make three contacts, close one deal. If I do that, that's a win, right? So then you go about your activities, and when you hit your target, you celebrate. When is the best time? This is another auto industry slogan. You guys may have heard this before, but the best time to make a sale is right after you just made one right? We as humans go off of our last experience. If I touch fire and it burns me, I don't touch fire anymore, right? But if I uh, run a race and I take first place and I win, I want to run that race some more, right? We go off of our last experience. So if we can celebrate the win at the end of the day, look, I accomplished this, 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 and that. Then that next day, you now have that fuel to go, boom, I'm freaking ready. Let's go. I accomplished this, 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 and that. And celebrating those small wins over time will add up. And then you can start running with the big boys, right? Once you get there, once you earn your your wings, but focus on what's good, what's a win for you, not what's a win for somebody else and celebrate those daily wins. How do you uh, focus your uh, setting longer term goals, yearly, monthly, quarterly? Do you recommend, you know, I've seen, I've seen it both ways. Like, uh, yeah, ha focus on your revenue goal. And I've seen other people say, no, focus on 
conversations, focus on, you know, people I can help. Where do you fall in that in terms of, because like you said, sometimes you focus on a revenue goal to the point of diminishing returns or cannibalizing yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you recommend in terms of uh, goal setting? Yeah, you really have to start at the at the top of the funnel, right? What are my revenue generating activities that I can do consistently? Again, we'll use the word grind, right? What that I can use daily and consistently to generate the ultimate result. And I think that's where we need to start. That's where we need to focus. If we're a business owner, say you're a business owner, I'll give you a little a little business flip. Here's what most people in business do, whether you're a business owner or not. Most people in business look at things this way. Profit first, right? How can I make money? Customer second, all right? Now they'll they'll tell you it's customer first. Oh, we care about their customer. We just, it's all about the customer. We built our whole company for the customer. Yeah, right. You're not making any money or you're not doing business with any customers, right? I, I see that all the time. So we get most people build profit first. That's all we're focused on. Let me think about the money. Then, okay, well, how can I get a customer and how can I serve them in a way that I can get their money, right? And then we think about employees kind of last, especially if we're starting to grow our scalar, scalar, scalar business. And I think we really just have to flip that on its head and start thinking about people first, right? So if I have any employees, I want to focus on my employees first. How can I serve them? How can I grow them? How can I extract greatness out of them? What are the activities that I have to do every single day to make sure that their lives are better, that they're moving forward, that they're happy with their jobs, that they're that they are, they're doing the revenue building activities that we need, that they're trained properly. If I focus on my employees, then what happens is my employees take care of my customers. My customers love the experience of doing business with me now because my employees are well-trained and love what they do. So now that my my customers are, my employees are happy, then I get happy customers. Happy customers in turn equals what? Profits and revenue, right? Yeah. So if we can flip it on our head and help people understand, they got to understand two things. Simon Sinek talks about this in his book. Business is an infinite game. It is not a finite game. There is no finish line. It's not like, oh, at the end of the month, I got to sell this much. No, we're trying to stay in business forever, right? Hmm. We're trying to create a legacy. Nobody says, I just want to be in business until you know Tuesday, March 23rd, and then I just want to shut the whole thing down. No, we want to create legacy uh, recurring in- um, income. So it's an infinite game. We got to play it as such with no finish lines. And business is all about people. So if we focus on the people and the daily activities, extracting a little bit more out of ourselves and out of all the people that we have contact with, then ultimately you can generate as much revenue and profits as you as you dream. Hey, everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener to Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, in this chaotic time of coronavirus chaos, it's so important for people to have a process to define, create, and live their lives of freedom and fulfillment. I lay out just that process in my Amazon bestseller, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And in light of this turbulent time, I've dropped the Kindle price of my book to $4.50. That's a more than $2 drop in price. I do this because I truly believe that this is a process that will help those who need freedom and fulfillment now. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you have spent the past five years, 10 years, 15 years trading away your freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security and a toxic job and a lifestyle that doesn't fulfill you. And now you're realizing that security was an illusion and you want your freedom now. Go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com right now. There, you can get chapter one of my book absolutely free, and there's a link to purchase the book. As I said, we have dropped the price to $4.50 for the Kindle version of my book. I know the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle will help you define, create, and start living your freedom lifestyle now. Thanks again for being a listener. I wish you a day, a week, a year of freedom and abundance. I love that. I love that. And again, welcome to everyone joining us. Please, if you join in, 
for joining. Don't just lurk. Share your name, your city, your state, your town, your country, your continent. Where in the world are you joining us from? Sam, sharing questions with us. Uh, share your questions, your comments, your agreements, your disagreements, whatever it is. We got Glenn Lundy, sales and growth expert. And, and Glenn, you've worked over 20 years in the automotive industry. Right now, in most of the world, less people are driving. You know, we saw the price of oil or the price, you know, oil futures go negative. Yeah. We, got, we got tankers out in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the sea, just sitting there because people aren't driving. Sure. And so for some people to say, hey, you got to innovate, you got to do stuff, whatever. And it's like, OK, well, you work from home, you're a service industry. You're talking to people in an industry that is directly impacted by what's going on. Less people are driving because they're not allowed to go out. They're not allowed to work. They're not allowed to, you know. What are you telling people in the automotive industry about how to thrive in this environment where, you know, some of your freedom might be getting attacked by external circumstances and the, the ability to have customers even come into your, your showroom to buy cars? Right. Well, the, fir the first thing that I'm telling every single one of them is let's not make decisions today that are ultimately going to impact us long term. Right. It is an infinite game we want. So this is a season. This is a blip. Let's take a 30,000 foot view because some of my dealers and regretfully, a lot of dealers across the, the nation immediately went into what you were talking about. Right. Let's put our thumb in our mouth. Let's go in the corner. Shut the doors. Batten down the hatches. Survival of the fittest. Let everybody go. We're just going to like, OK, we're ready. We're, we're blocked. We're shielded. Right. They're, right. And, and, and a lot of dealers did that. They went into what I call um, doomsday, doomsday preppers. Right. You basically have like four types of dealers that have evolved from this. You've got your doomsday preppers that just shut everything down, fired everybody. And we're like, uh, the, whoever the guy's name was on the building, he was safe in, in his little barracks and everybody else was screwed. Right. So we had your doomsday preppers and then you had your survivors. Your survivors were the ones that had kind of like. It's a little bit selfish. I'm going to make sure I'm okay. We're going to do just enough to survive. We'll run, you know, kind of a third staff and we're going to turn off all of our advertising. We're going to reduce our expenses and, but we're going to, we're going to get through this people, right? But kind of like a survivor, like the game survivor, where you don't know if you can trust the person or not trust the person, but we're going to go into a survivor mode, right? And then we had our, our, our underdogs. So our underdogs were the ones that were like, yeah, let's go turn. Everybody else is freaking hiding in the corner. Turn it on. And they're just like <laughs> barging through doors and they don't care if anybody gets sick and they don't care about masks or they're just like, come on, buy now, buy now. Right. And they're just like, got this crazy underdog mentality. And then we had our heroes and our heroes were the ones that stood calmly and communicated with their teams that took their whole teams and put them up on their shoulders like this and said, Hey guys, guess what? We're, we're going to be, we're going to get, we're, we're, we're going to be great. We're going to be great. Here's what we're going to do. Do this, 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 and that they like really took a leadership position and led their teams through this whole season through communication and just took it on, right? There's so much decision paralysis going on because there's so much information and nobody knows what's real and what's not real. And so when people are in a state of decision paralysis, they need a real leader to grab them and make decisions for them. And so I saw some heroes in the, in the, in the industry that did that. And that, that's really the, the four different types of dealers that, um, you know, responses that we've had. And so I've told them all, don't make the decisions now, the doomsday stuff or the survivor stuff that ultimately is going to affect your long term, your ability to bring these good people back, your ability to get up and running once, once, the, once the country turns around. And then the other things that we've talked about is how freaking exciting is this? Dude, Kurt, the auto industry has been so easy for the last 12 years. Like, it's been easy, dude. Since 2008, 
Like it, it really has. It's, you know, <laughs> you put your, you put your pricing, people like cars, the economy's doing good. People are making money, right? Like gas prices aren't too ridiculous. Um, it's really been easy. As long as your doors were open, if you had some inventory out and your doors were open for business, you could sell cars. Like anybody literally could sell cars. Now some did it at a much higher level and some at a lower level, but it was really, really easy. And now it's like, Bam! Everybody got punched in the mouth. And now it's like, who really freaking wants this? Like, who's really passionate about serving people through the auto industry? Because now's your time to, you're forced to evolve. We've talked about virtual car sales for decades. We've all talked about it. But because it was so easy to do business without it, it's like, well, we could do that. And that would be nice. But we're making plenty of money doing things the way we are. So I love that everybody got punched in my mouth. So I'm just telling my dealers like, boom, A, infinite game. Don't make poor decisions. B, you've now been forced to evolve. So let's freaking get on it. Like, let's let's turn this into the most amazing opportunity in the history of all time. Um, if you know anything, you, you clearly, Kurt, know a lot about sales and in sales, the goal, the intention, every good salesperson in the world gets people into an emotional state, right? Mm -hmm. Whether they give, we get them really excited about it. Or if you're selling security, you want people to like, you want to sell fear or, um, you know, security or what, whatever, right? We, we want, we want people in an emotional state. People make decisions based on emotion, Ultimately, now they, they'll gather some facts and they'll gather some data and they'll gather some details, but it's how they feel about it that is actually going to determine whether they make a decision or not. We have a world, the entire world is in an emotional state right now, whether it be anxious, whether it be depressed, whether it be exhilarated, whether it be excited, whether it be fearful, like everyone's in an emotional state. So it's a tremendous opportunity for my dealer partners to really go out there and serve in a way they've never served before and help move these people that are in an emotional state, help move them onto their team by, by even if it's just delivering groceries to them. Like hmm. we, there's so many different things that we can do right now while people are in an emotional state to earn their trust and to earn their ultimately earn their business long term down the road where they become raving fans. I love that. I love that. And, and, you know, one thing I see a lot is people thinking they're in a certain industry that they don't need to personally differentiate themselves from their competitors. Uh, last year I had Oren Clough on, he wrote the book, pitch anything. And, and he talked about being, trying to sell, uh, custom motorcycles. And the guy who owned the firm was this celebrity motorcycle, uh, guy in like Hollywood. And they opened up a shop. I think it was in the middle of either South or North Dakota. And so Oren is this Southern California guy, right? And he goes up there and he learned about the importance of having like a winter coat <laughs> and these right. things. And he said he was listening to sales calls from everyone. He's like, you know, no one's doing anything wrong. Why aren't they selling? Why aren't they selling? And what he realized was they weren't compelling because they were trying to, you know, average Joe or Jane in South Dakota was trying to, instead of being themselves, mimic the celebrity president or CEO in Hollywood. And he said, and, and so he made this connection between you could be selling motorcycle parts, you could be selling anything, you could be selling widgets, you could be selling. I had a discussion yesterday with someone in the financial industry. Well, you know, personal brand, I'm just ahead, I'm ahead of a fund, I'm ahead of a whatever. Can you talk about the importance of having a personal brand? No matter what you sell. Oh, well, I'm selling Toyota, so they're doing the branding. It's not up to me to do the branding. What, what's yeah. the connection there? Well, people have to understand. I, I got a gift. A few years ago, I was given a gift, and it was this book called The Like Switch. And in this book, there's an equation, a profound equation that has literally changed everything for me. And the equation is frequency plus proximity equals affinity. The more often we can get in front of someone and the closer we can get to that person, as long as there's a feeling, a good positive feeling, we will actually become more attractive to that person, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, none of that really matters, but people will be drawn to us. 
through that frequency plus proximity equals affinity. So factoring that in, we now have social media. Everyone's got this guy right here, right? You cannot get closer in proximity than someone's phone. I'm just telling you, like if you and I were having a face-to-face -face conversation, we would actually be closer if I was yeah. doing a video on my phone because you're holding it like this, right? And you're taking me to intimate areas of your life, right? Like you bring your phone with you to the bathroom or you're listening in the shower, right? All of these intimate areas of your life. Most people, I would say with my show, my Rise and Grind morning show that I do at 5.30 a.m. and people people are with me, they, they listen to me while they're running, while they're working out, while they're taking a shower, while they're getting ready, whatever. I would say I am closer in proximity to these people than their spouses, <laughs> right? Because they bring me everywhere. So by building a personal brand on here that that's how we attack the proximity and by frequently showing up showing up with good positive uh valuable information when you can increase your frequency right so i for me i've done 608 episodes as of this morning 608 episodes of rise and grind i've shown up every morning for a little over two years so you combine those two frequency plus proximity equals affinity people like me right they like me more on day one. They're like, that guy's kind of ugly on day 60. They're like, I really like that guy. He's got a nice smile. It starts to change, right? It starts to yeah. change. And so as a business, if we can get our frequency and our proximity increased, then more people will like us. And guess who people do business with? People they people know, like, they and trust. Like. Yeah. Yeah. People they like, that's it. Well, it's interesting too, because you know, with that, <clears throat> there's going to be people who can't stand you. Not just you, but, uh, you know, I was on LinkedIn every single day doing videos for a while and I would get things saying, get off my feed, you're an asshole, you, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and it's interesting because when you talk about that, the frequency and the affinity, you know, I'm going to talk about something people are going to get pissed and that's fine. But there's a video that came out in June of 2016. I think that the name of the YouTube channel is Charisma and Command or Charisma on Command, mm. laying out why this guy thought Trump was going to win. And listen, I'm apolitical. I don't like any politicians anymore. Sure. But everything he laid out went back to that equation mm -hmm. because one of the things he pointed to was the amount of free media he kept getting. Right. And so even when you thought he shot himself in the foot, what he was doing was draining all the air out and no one was talking about anyone else. Mm -hmm. And then he points to the fact that Hillary, her closing argument, featured her competitor mm -hmm. on the TV and she was giving out bumper stickers with his name on it. Right. And so, you know, people are <laughs> going to watch this and say, Oh, I hate Trump. I hate that. I'm not making, I'm making a purely marketing and sales point here right. that like you said, that frequency back, I worked in politics for years. And one of the things was when the candidate and the people in the campaign office are sick of seeing your TV ad. That's the point at which you turn on the gas. That's right. Because you're paying attention to it. That's right. The average person is not. The average person may see it, you know, if you have 1,500 GRPs, gross rating points, they're seeing it, the average person see about 15 times. Mm -hmm. And you may think, well, I'm so sick of that ad, we got to change it up. And I see people do this all the time. They're doing, well, I talked about that. I talked about that. It's like, if you're on LinkedIn, there's 550 million people. Even if you got 100,000 views from that video, there's still an awful lot of people, 500 and whatever million people who right. haven't seen it. Right. So I love that. I love that. I got to check out that book too. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible, man. And it, it really is an, a beautiful opportunity that we've never had before. So you and I both have an advertising background, right? So I, I used to do the advertising for dealerships, you know, decade, you know, two, 20 years ago. And so I think about it, like I have 608 30 minute episodes, right? 608 30 minute episodes, the cost like when a business is like, why should I develop a personal brand? Maybe you don't want to even want to hear all this other stuff that we're talking about. Just think about the cost, the free, right? The cost, you can't be free. That's why Facebook's so, such a big deal because it's free, right? You can't be free. So I have 608 times 30 minutes 
of free advertising that's out there, what would that cost for me to run that in radio spots, TV spots, where it's $375 for 60 seconds, right? right? Like imagine the dollar value um, that we're able to put out there. So I would highly suggest any business out there, if it's not you, like if you're just like, not everybody has my personality. Not everybody has Kurt's personality. If it's not you, get somebody on your team, right? When I was at Dan Cummins, uh, Chevrolet and Buick in Paris, Kentucky, we grew the dealership 800% over a period of just over five years. I didn't own the dealership. But I became the face of the dealership because I had this this type of personality and the owners still were able to reap the rewards of frequency plus proximity equals affinity because they allowed me to, to, to go out there and spread the good news, you know, per se. So if it's not you get someone on your team that has that that sparkling, bubbly personality and allow them and guide them and, and build a personal brand around them. Let them be the face of your company. What's been your your trick and your secret? Uh, not trick, but your secret and and and, and is it just the frequency plus your uh, frequency proximity plus your your high energy to growing that following? And and because not everyone who has a show grows it. Sure. Um, now some of it is they do ten shows, say it's not working, they give it up. You've done right. six hundred eight shows. <laughs> but other than that, for people listening who want to who want to, yeah, I'm going to start a Facebook Live. I'm going to start a podcast. What, what would you tell them? I would tell them that very first is, is again, it goes back to intention, right? Like, why, why do you want to do that? If you're, if your intention is, Oh, I'm going to build a podcast so that I can get rich and famous. Then I highly suggest you go down a different road because that's, that's not how it works. But if your intention <laughs> is to, to make right. an impact in someone's life or to serve someone or to share a message that passionate, that's passionate on your heart, something that's going to push you through when your show has zero, and then one person pops in and then zero and then one person like you really have to have a desire on your heart to be able to push through those seasons. So I would say start there. But the second thing that I would tell them is really listen to your audience. So I started with a show and then within six or eight weeks of the show, my audience, people that were watching the show were telling me they wanted to be in like a group. They wanted their own, like, they were like, we should have a Facebook group where we can go. And so I said, okay, so I created a Facebook group. And then as, as I listened to my audience, people that were watching my show and people that were in the group, they were like, you know what? We should get some t-shirts. Like we need rise and grind t-shirts. Right. And so we created t-shirts and hats and hoodies and water bottles, you know, and you know, stuff like this. And we created this logo, um, right here and, and so it went from show to group to um, to clothing line. And then people told me, well, Glenn, you're always talking about the morning. So we need a planner that we can write down the stuff we do in the morning. So then we started creating planners, right? And, and we sold 1,500 of those the, wow. the minute we released them, which was crazy. Um, and so that would be my, my biggest point is just really – don't think you know what your people need. Listen, listen mm. to the audience and what they're telling you. Give them more of what they're asking for. Serve them, not yourself. And 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 people will follow you, man. They'll share you. They'll tell their friends about you. They'll trust you. They'll love you. And once they love you, it's over. Like that's that's the key. How many episodes did it take for you to reach that tipping point? Um, so we got up. I'd say for us, we did the clothing line about four months in. We did planners in November, which the planners was I had been I had been going straight every day for 10 months when we did the planners. We did the planners in November. Uh, and then after the planners, that's when the group really started to spike and grow in that, uh, you know, it hit 15,000, 20,000. Now we've got over 30,000 in the group. So I, I would say about a year to really get, you know, kind of to a point where we had a good, strong, loyal following that we could continue to build off of. And we also held events, you know, our group members were like, we want to get together in person sometimes. So we did events. Uh, we had people in the group. Uh, we had a guy in the group and a girl in the group that were battling cancer and the group wow. wanted to come together. And so we raised funds, we sold t-shirts and did things like that, you know? So by doing some 
offline community outreach and combining that with our online impact, we were just able to build something special. Oh, I love that. I love that. Again, thank you for everyone joining us here today. If you're jumping in, even if you're jumping in, by the way, later today or tomorrow and watching the archive version, don't be a lurker. Share your name, your city, your state, your town, your country, your continent, where you're joining us from, any questions, comments. And if you're watching the archive version and have a question, put us in here. We'll tag Glenn. He'll come back. He'll answer that for you. So, Glenn, you you, you, you talked about I love to, that. Don't be a lurker. Don't be a lurker. Yeah, there's a lot of people, and I'll, I'll find out. I'll be like, oh, Oh yeah, I watch all your shows. I'll watch all your shows. And like six months later. Um, so what, uh, and you can never tell, you know, LinkedIn, especially it's, it's interesting because I think their numbers are BS Yeah. because it, I'll get some and they're like super low, but I'll have all these people come back to me. Like we watched your show. I'm like, didn't show me that, you know, right. it's, it's right. so weird. So that's, that's another thing. You just gotta, you just gotta go forward and you just gotta move forward and, 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 and then push. Um, so earlier in the show, you talked about your kind of reset in your life. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and how you went from automotive sales dude to I got my show and I'm going to go out and I'm going to help people and I'm going to build this personal brand and I'm going to take it there. And not just from a, not just from a, a branding sales and business point of view, but there's a lot of people out there who, especially now, right. But who are in what I call, it was the subtitle of my book, a comfort zone of misery mm. where it's, they don't like what they're doing. Maybe they don't admit it to themselves, but they go through life with a case of the blahs. Every day is a case of, I don't care if it's Tuesday or Wednesday, it's a case of the Mondays. Sure. But it's comfortable. It's miserable, but it's comfortable. And they think that's normal. I have no choice. I can't do this. You're someone who's got, and a lot of times, oh, that's easy for you. You got seven kids. You got a house. You got a wife. You got a life. Can you tell, can you share your story to, to help give inspiration to people who think I'm in my silo, I'm in my column, I can't change, I don't like where I'm at. Um, and because especially right now, they may feel extra trapped. Yeah, sure. I, I, I always refer to a pivotal, a pivotal moment in my life where my, my grandfather, so during that whole season, that transition for me, it was, it was a couple of years, right? There was a couple of years where I went from, I got out of the auto industry. I ended up losing custody of my daughter. She was six years old. I lost custody of my daughter. I traveled. I ended up um, homeless in San Diego for a small period of time that led to depression and, and suicidal thoughts. I attempted to kill myself while I was in um, San Diego. That was unsuccessful, thankfully. And, and that kind of was the beginning of my shift. Then when, when, when I started to realize, wait a minute, Glenn, you're, uh, you're the, you're the constant in all of this. And, um, yeah. so that, you know, you're in, and you're going to be the only one that can, that can fix it really. But I still, I wish I could just say, you know, I was enlightened and everything was amazing after that. But no, I continued to make plenty of mistakes um, going forward. But as I went through that season, I ended up, I landed in Kentucky where I, where I live now. And while I was in Kentucky, I got a phone call. And the phone call was from um, my mom. And she was informing me that my grandfather had basically moments left to live. And I needed to rush back to Arizona as fast as I could in hopes of maybe maybe catch him still alive maybe maybe not but i but i was going to need to go back to arizona and so uh, i made arrangements you know to, to get back and my grandfather you have to understand who my grandfather was to, to understand this story but my grandfather was a military man his whole life i never once saw my grandfather not wearing a shirt and tie hmm. ever like sunday i mean he would come out of his room every morning wearing a shirt and tie and pressed everything was pressed you know he was just he was just a military man that's that's how he was and him and my grandmother were married for 49 years my grandmother never had a driver's license she never had a job she just always knew that my grandfather was going to be there and he was going to take care of her and he was going to support her he was just a good dude right like just a good dude 
And so when I heard he was dying, of can- you know, dying of cancer, it's like, oh my gosh. And like that he had moments left to live. Obviously it was really impactful because um, he was like a superhero to me, you know, in, 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 a, in a sense. And so I fly out, I get to Arizona. He's still alive. The rest of the family, my whole family's military. So everybody's all over the place. The rest of the family's trying to make arrangements to get there. Finally, after a day after I got there, it took me like a day and a half to get there. And then it was another day. And my aunt, Julie, she gets there. She's the last one there. She came in from Florida. Everybody's there. My grandfather's in the bed. Now, Kurt, my brand, my grandfather, at this point, he's wearing a gown. He's got all the wires and tubes. His eyes are sunken. There's no light in his eyes. He had these, these, these crystally eyes, and there's no light. He's thin. He's frail. Like, I don't even recognize the dude. I don't even know who that guy is on the table, right? And so... Hmm. The rest of the, the whole family gets there. We're standing in a little semicircle around his bed. And my grandfather, uh, he says to my stepdad, my stepdad's name's Everett. He says, Everett, come here. He said, I want you to tell me your favorite or tell me my favorite joke. Right now, my grandfather's military, so military, they have dirty jokes, right? He loves <laughs> he loves his dirty jokes. He used to always love to tell dirty jokes. And so my stepdad goes over and he leans in and, and he says, Al, which is my grandfather's name. He says, Al, what do you call Moby Dick's father? And we just all kind of sit there for a second. And, and my stepdad says, or Al, my, my grandfather says, whatever. And Everett says, Papa Boner. <laughs> right so so we all laugh and the tears come you know popping out of our eyes and we're laughing and my grandfather says bring me my wife and so my grandmother all you know four foot two of her she's this tiny little thing and so my grandmother walks over and she climbs into bed with my grandfather hmm. and he wraps his arms around her and in that moment he passes away right there in that moment And I learned two things from that experience. The first thing that I learned is that we are, without a doubt, spiritual beings. Science cannot explain to me how my grandfather, who had moments left to live, waited two and a half days for the last family member to arrive, was able to to be told his favorite joke and then wrap his arms around his wife and die with her in his arms. Science cannot explain that to me. We are spiritual beings. That was the first thing. The second thing that it taught me is that we're most comfortable in life right before death. Because Kurt, there was this moment. There was this moment while my stepdad was telling him his favorite joke, while we were all laughing in the tears, while my grandfather was asking for his wife, there was this moment where the light came back in his eyes, man. And it was like his body filled back up, right? I recognized that guy on the table. And it was a brief moment, dude. It was short. It was short. But in that moment, he was comfortable. You could tell the pain had gone away. It was gone, right? And so when I experienced that and I thought, oh, my gosh, we're most comfortable in life right before death. And I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to die yet. So all of these people who are comfortable are seeking to be comfortable. I asked them that question, like, are you ready to die? Because if you're not then we've got to stay uncomfortable. You got to put yourself in situations where you're growing, where you're learning, where you're evolving, right? You see it in in life. You see it in in sports. As soon as a, a real massive athlete like these guys, they try and they try to get to the NFL or they try to get to the NBA and they put in all this work and then they get there and they think they made it and they get comfortable and they get, they're gone, man. Like, Anybody sitting on the couch that's just doing something because it's comfortable, not because you love it, not because you're passionate about it, not because it brings a fire under your belly or it challenges you. If you're just doing things for comfortable, I just want you to know that you're literally just bringing yourself closer and closer to death. And I don't know about you, bro. I'm not ready to die yet. I feel like I still got more to do. Man, I, I love it. And, and uh, I think right now, especially in this time of pandemic, 
I think a lot of people need to, to focus more on, I think a lot of people, uh, reason people are fearful is they're fearful of death. And I can't remember who it was. It was either the Stoic philosophers, might've been St. Augustine about, you know, preparing for a good death. And uh, that's what I thought of as you talked about uh, about your grandfather. And so thank you so much for sharing that uh, with us today. Very powerful, very powerful. Well, Glenn, I want to thank you so much for joining us here in the Freedom Media Network. For those who joined us today live, those of us joining Archive, those of us who will join us in the many clips and news stories we're going to create from this interview in the coming weeks, thank you all. I'm grateful that you all are here. Glenn, we're grateful you joined us today. Oh, man. Absolute honor. Totally appreciate. I'm going to go check out more of the Freedom Media, Freedom Media Network stuff. Uh, You're a a great host. And it's really, really been I've really had a good time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, everyone, for joining. We'll be back next week. We'll soon announce our guest here later today. My name is Kurt Mercadante. Thank you so much for joining.